Hello and welcome to the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. I'm your host, Matt Infante, joined as always by PFN Deputy Editor Adam H. Beasley. And Adam, uh, the Dolphins played in the most entertaining game of the week on Sunday. I suspect that will be a trend all season. Uh, the Dolphins are 1-0 because they have the two best football players on the field at SoFi Stadium on Sunday, in Tua Tungavailoa and Tyreek Hill. And after last night, the Dolphins are the betting favorites to win the AFC East now. So a lot has changed in four days. Um, how was your... How was your weekend, Adam? <laughs> well, look, I covered the most, as you said, exciting, compelling, wild game of week one, 36-34 Dolphins, uh, when Tua Tagovailoa had his best game, I think, as a pro. We'll get into that in a minute. And then no more than 27 hours later, we saw the most significant game, the most impactful game of week one, Aaron Rodgers on the fourth snap as a member of the New York Jets after months and months of build up hard knocks, all this hype, tens of thousands of airtime wasted because four snaps in, uh, he apparently carries his Achilles tendon. We're taping this on Tuesday morning. We have not yet gotten confirmation, but by all accounts, he is out for the season. So in a heartbeat, in an instant, uh, the Dolphins went uh, from being in a dogfight for the division with three teams to it really being a head-to-head matchup unless Zach Wilson can channel Joe Namath. Yeah, um, and Ian Rappaport did just tweet out, in fact, that the Achilles is is torn. That is confirmed. That was suspected. Uh, the AFC East odds shifted um, overnight because of yesterday's developments, not just Aaron Rodgers' injury, but obviously the Bills um, not looking uh, kind of what we remember them looking like previously. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is what we remember them looking like. Um, before we get into the Bills, the AFC East odds, uh, the Dolphins are plus 135. The Bills are plus 145. The first time since 2009, the Dolphins are favored in the division. Um, this according to sportsoddshistory.com. And it, it shouldn't come as a surprise considering Josh Allen and the Bills just lost to Zach Wilson, who had zero snaps as a starter in the practice week or all of training camp. And um, and now, you know, where do the Bills go from here? Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. Certainly the Bills are one of the most talented teams in the National Football League. And Josh Allen is arguably the most, you know, God-given, talented player in all of football. I mean, what he can do, Patrick Mahomes can't do, and I don't even think Justin Herbert can do. Like, he is he is singular in his ability to run the ball and to throw it to the moon. Unfortunately, sometimes, or a lot of times, the opposing team is sitting on the moon waiting for it to fall in their laps because he'll throw off these rainbows that go just to the wrong team. And it's not just last night. It's just not last, Monday night, whatever it is you listen to the show. We're taping it on Tuesday, as I said. Um, it's time and time and time again. And honestly, Matthew, the, you go back and look at the stats. We might think of 2020, 2021, when we saw peak Josh Allen as the exception, not the rule. And that is obviously what Dolphins fans are hoping for, right? That, that otherworldly guy that couldn't be touched. And let's not kid ourselves. Even, you know, last year, he won two out of three against the Dolphins. He has an incredible record against Miami. His stats against the Dolphins still are phenomenal. Uh, but he's not very clutch. He's not. And last night, he showed it. Three interceptions and a fumble. He lost them. In his own words, he lost them that game. And again, if this was just some one one-off, everyone has a bad day. This kind of is a trend. And that's why I am so bullish on the Miami Dolphins that Josh Allen... Since Brian Dable left for the New York Giants, uh, he's been gone since the beginning of the 2022 season. This is a tweet from Nick Wright. Since week one of 2022, Josh Allen has played 19 games. 
He has 20 interceptions and 17 fumbles in those 19 games, a total of 37 picks and fumbles in 19 games. Now, granted, not all those fumbles were lost, but still it shows his lack of ball security. He's averaging almost exactly two picks and fumbles a game. That's simply a fact, and a lot of folks refuse to come to terms with it. Uh, I don't. I'm eyes wide open, and I'm sure you are too, as someone who's not exactly a Josh Allen fan, that um, he is a liability at times for this team, and the offense is so reliant on him. I mean, they if they're going to get a running game going, it's got to be Josh Allen who gets it going. Certainly the passing game is in his hands every single snap. Um, the defense was fine Monday night, but again, you can't really – gauge it off of Zach Wilson. So we don't know. They're not going to have that same luxury when they see two in week four. Uh, but there's a reason that a lot of people, myself included, have thought that the Bills window is closed. And it's simply because uh, they, they they don't win the games that they should. And last night may have cost them the AFC East. It may have cost them the one seed, all these things that you want, all these things you need to win a Super Bowl. Uh, they let it slip through their fingers in a game they absolutely had to win. Yeah, and and on our last podcast we talked about the AFC East division as a whole, right, and how it was built up to you know to look like a very very good division, and then you compared it to the AFC West from a year ago, where all this hype and really it was one great team, and then everybody else. Um, it it was always likely that you know of the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills, one of them at least one would not meet expectations. Um, you're sitting here now wondering if, for different reasons, two of them might not meet expectations. And then there are the Dolphins who went into Los Angeles against the playoff team from a year ago and went toe-to-toe with Justin Herbert in that offense and kind of a hyped team with a new offensive coordinator. And, you know, they took their shots, obviously. We'll get into the defensive struggles. But um, Tua made plays late in the game that – Josh Allen on Monday Night Football could not make for his team. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I think if you go and uh, really have an honest look of the AFC in week one, those were the two best offenses in the conference. And we saw them play on Monday no- on Sunday afternoon. And um, excuse me, I have to take a drink of water. So you continue talking. <coughs> but I think. Yeah, no. Sorry, so. Oh, no. Go ahead, Adam. All yours. But the. um the Chiefs look very beatable, certainly without Travis Kelsey. The uh, the Dolphins, the Chargers were the class of the AFC in, in week one. Yeah, no, um, 100% and, and his defensive concerns, obviously. But the offense was everything we had hoped uh, it would be. Um, I, I think a lot of the national um, networks, you know, the, the, their kind of lead on Monday was all about Tyreek Hill. And, and that's fair because he hadn't, you know, other worldly game on his, uh, you know, trek to 2000 yards potentially. But I I think that's unfair. uh, You know, if we start by talking about Tyreek Hill, because Tua made some of the best passes you will ever see in his career or in anyone's career um, in terms of the arm talent, the accuracy, and within the context of the game and and the moment Um, he didn't waver at all in the biggest moments on the road against a team that embarrassed that offense last year. Um, So yeah, you're, Yeah, you're totally right. Last year, Tyreek Hill was the best player on that offense. There's no doubt in week one, Tua Tungvalo was their best player. Because to your point, the throws that he made, and it wasn't just drop back and throw, like the touchdown, 35-yard touchdown touchdown that came after uh, the interception in the end zone. That was, uh, I talked to 
to Mike McDaniel on Monday. He said that was his favorite throw because it showed to overcoming adversity and it was the team getting a stop when they needed to and all that. That wasn't his best throw. His best throw was that 47-yard seam when he was off platform, climbed the pocket, and found Tyreek. And it wasn't like Tyreek had blown a cover, like had totally blew up a coverage. I mean, the defender was there. I mean, it was just a perfect pass that hit him the only place where it needed it could be. He had another one, third and 15, where yeah. Braxton Berrios was, uh, you know, doing an out route and he had to get off platform. And it was it showed arm strength that I didn't think he had. He was their best player in week one, and I think he's going to be their best player all year. Yeah, and even on 35-yard touchdown, that seemed like it was too easy. Uh, you know, if you see on the All-22, he, hold, he holds the safety there. So that way, you know, Tyreek can get past the, the corner and not have to deal with um, another defender back there. So I think, you know, th th this will be something to watch moving forward. Is this, you know, consistency, right? That that was to his main problem. It's, it's health and then stacking these up we saw last year he got hot in the middle of the season right there was but it was against teams like the the lions um i think the browns and he had three straight three touchdown games um let's see where this goes you know um next week and beyond one more thing about Tua uh that was fascinating uh the per next gen stats right Tua's time to throw was the fifth fastest in week one and that is despite his average um, intended air yards was the second most and his average completion was the most. So he was taking less time to throw it further than most quarterbacks, which is unheard of. Well, make, make that make sense. And the only way that makes sense is he trusts the hell out of his wide receivers, right? He, he believes that when, cause when he releases the football, Tyreek is going to be 15, 20 yards away from where he's going to be when it comes down. That is an incredible amount of trust he has in those guys that they're not only going to beat their dude, but they're going to get to the spot where he believes they're going to be. Yeah. And multiple times yesterday too, on, on ESPN, um, Dan Orlovsky had said that nobody is seeing the field uh, quicker than, than Tua is right now. And I think we saw that anticipation and, and willingness to attack. Um, and, and I wonder how much of that, rub, you know, is, is his head coach rubbing off on him? Because I, I think, you know, that, that confidence that McDaniel has put into a, has kind of, you know, gave him a bit of an edge that we hadn't seen in those first two years that we continue to see as he grows. Yeah, a couple of tweets of mine went kind of viral this past couple of days. One was the congratulations to the 2023 AFC East champion Miami Dolphins, which got me dunked on from every Dolphins fan in America calling me a mush. By the way, guys, jinxes don't exist and neither does Santa Claus. Okay, I'm sorry if you're a five-year-old listening to this podcast, but... Beasley sitting in his in the living room tweeting off hot takes is not going to be the reason the Dolphins don't win the division. If, if they you don't have win that the kind of power, okay, yeah, yeah. seriously. And, and the um, and the and the other one that went viral was I showed a clip of that off-platform forty-seven-yard pass to Tyreek, and uh, and I admitted like two years ago, not a single ounce of my body thought he would be able to make just not even make that throw, but make that throw in that moment because it was third and ten. Yeah. And, and, you know, take that shot that, you know, third and 10, maybe you just pick up six. And cause it was the game was on the line. They needed a touchdown, make it fourth and manageable. Absolutely not. He took a shot downfield and had, you know, pressure on him and he throw us through a seam. That to me is an indictment of Brian Flores that the fact that two years ago, we had no clue that he'd be able to do that in that moment is because his head coach didn't believe in him. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, and not to be overlooked as well from this game was the offensive line of the Miami Dolphins. Um, 
a lot of people when Taryn Armstead got ruled out, right? I don't know if you saw on social, there's a lot of people that were bringing up Chris Greer's comments from earlier in the offseason. And he said that we were all more worried about the O-line than he was, um, you know, and, and he has a little chuckle at the end of that, too. And people were kind of mocking that quote. Tight end, too. Tight end and O-line. What's that? Tight end and O-line were the two ones yeah. that yeah, we were freaking out about in the offseason. And what happened? And here we are. You're right. Uh, Durham Smythe looked um, better than Gusecki ever did in this offense. Right. And, and he didn't come off the field at all. Right. He, he's one of the few offensive players that played 100 percent of the snaps. And then um, Tua was hit two times all game, according to the game book. And neither of them were by Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack, the, the you know, the the R world pass rush duo that they have. So that's amazing work by Kendall Lamb, Austin Jackson and, and the rest of that line. And it's also it's also a function of throwing the ball in one point one seconds or whatever it is. Absolutely. I, I, it was like two and a half, two and a half or so, which was remarkable to See how quick he was making these decisions and getting the ball, pushing the ball down the field while still not having to stand in the pocket and take shots. Um, it wasn't all rosy though, right? So I think we we do need to bring up the elephant in the room, which was the defense. Um, I know you were at the facility yesterday. Um, I, I know some of the players um, spoke, the coach spoke. Um, is the feeling that the, the offensive struggles and, and boy struggles is, I mean, the defensive struggles, and that's an understatement here, right? 5.9 yards per carry. They allowed three, three 75 yard touchdown drives. I, I believe it was. I mean, that's four. Okay. Well, um, Oh, no, no, you're right. There three were 75. One was 94. Goodness. So um, what was the feeling around the team about the defense? And is it an acclimation period to Vic Fangio's defense? Um, is there, more, uh, you know, red flags for the future? Um, or is this maybe the worst they're going to look? And that's what we're all hoping, right? Can all the above be the right answer? Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, absolutely true. They have gone from Brian Flores' scheme for four years, by the way. Remember that even after Flores was fired, they kept the scheme under Boyer in 2022. Completely changing the scheme. That's going to have an impact. How Vic likes to call a game, the communication, all of those things, they play a role. You know what doesn't play a role, Matthew? Christian Wilkins and Zach Ziegler are getting moved, moved. You watch some of those holes. It didn't matter that, you know, maybe the linebacker was a step late or took the wrong gap or something. They were picking up Christian Wilkins and throwing him to the side. All right. And yeah, Austin Eckler is a really good back, but you and I could gain yards when there's literally five yards between <laughs> your two defensive tackles when you're going up the gut. This isn't like they were reinventing football here. They were going old school football and they ran right through them. Yeah, and this is just the sixth time in franchise history that the Dolphins allow 230 yards on the ground and three touchdowns in, in, in a game. Um, but of those other five times, you know, this is the only one they won. What's what's crazy is 230 yards rushing. They lost a turnover battle by two, and they still won the game, and that's just a reflection of the quarterback. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and now moving forward here, um, you know, a lot of attention is going to be played to what the Patriots are going to look to exploit in week two now, which, you know, Belichick's been looking at everything that the Chargers did and how they, they ran the ball. Now the Patriots only ran the ball 20 times versus the Eagles um, with minimal success. But part of that was probably game script as they fell behind early quickly. Mm -hmm. And Matt Jones had to throw it like 54 times. Um, 23 of those throws were to backs or tight ends as well. So now we're going to have, you know, the linebackers being tested and covered most likely as well. Um, are, are you worried about, this kind of being a trap in New England, Sunday night football, um, 
week two after a big win and now kind of being the, the favorite in the division, according to many people, you know, is this a letdown spot for Miami? If it wasn't new England, if it wasn't on Sunday night football, I'd agree with you. Right. If this was, I don't know, Cleveland at one o'clock on a Sunday, I, I, you know, certainly Dolphins don't get many of these Sunday night games. I know this is their third in 11 months, but they don't, they don't get many of these. Uh, so they're going to be up. The only question, only, as to your point though, Belichick's really smart, right? And uh, I don't think that's the run pass balance that they want going forward, particularly if Mac Jones is their quarterback. Um, they have one of the, you know, either one, the first or second best collection of running backs in football. They have a team that has shown the ability and the dedication to running the football. Hell yeah, they're going to run the football, Matt. I mean, yes, absolutely. You're Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer and 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 Emmanuel Agba, who by the way barely played, and and uh, and Jalen uh, Phillips and Bradley Chubb and Jerome Baker, um, all those dudes need to play a lot better than they did. Right? Seriously, they they got whooped. They got whooped by the Chargers in the trenches, and there's really no easy way to put that. Um, yeah, hell yeah, the the Patriots are going to try to duplicate that blueprint because. And here's what's concerning to me, Matt. It, if it was just a one-off, that's that, that Jaguars playoff, uh, a preseason game. Uh, that first team defense was on the field a ton, but when it was, they got moved exactly the same way now. So really the only two times we've seen extended action of that group, they've gotten the ball jammed down their throat. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the ground, um, deficiencies there also covered up something that I, I i was concerned about the box score looks okay for Xavier howard right on, on his you know number of of catches he allowed in yards but i believe there was three penalties he was called for big penalties um you said last week your bold prediction eight interceptions for Xavier howard this year um i am i fair to be concerned about what i saw because it looked like more of the same uh that you know from Howard that we saw last year that had us concerned. Yeah, no, it wasn't good. It was not his best game. I think there's concern is fair. Panic is obviously not. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, it really, it's because they, the chargers didn't have to throw the football. Uh, I really, that was, wasn't my concern. My, my biggest concern was just getting killed the line of scrimmage because obviously we saw the running game, but even, Matt, they couldn't get any pressure at all if they didn't bring an yeah. extra defender, right? The only yeah. time they got to Herbert was by blitzing. <clears throat> so, yeah, Howard needs to be better, but he is low on my list of things I'm concerned about because just it was a total mismatch in the trenches. Yeah, and it's funny because we heard all camp, right, how the Dolphins pass rushers, Chubb and Phillips in particular, were beating the Dolphins offensive line and getting to the quarterback. And I was like, oh, is the O-line bad? Is the pass rush really good? And it seems like um, it's the inverse of that. The O-line was was very good. The pass rush was non-existent, which doesn't really mesh with what we heard all training camp. Uh, so I'm not sure. Sample size. Are you sample concerned size, about Chubb and yeah. Phillips now? Yeah, sample size, sample size, sample size, right? And the Chargers have a good offensive line. Let's not kid ourselves. There's a lot of right. talent in that offensive line. So um, when <clears throat> there's two different concerns. Getting pressure on the quarterbacks, one of them. Let's go back and look how many times the Chargers were in third and long, right? And so that that's really when you pin your ears back as a defender, you get in third and long. They probably had like four or five third and longs the entire game. 
Um, and the Dolphins got a stop on one of them. So we'll, we'll pump the brakes. I will say this. I have not been wowed yet in this entire time here with Bradley Chubb. And that, to me, we know Jalen Phillips is going to get pressures. Hopefully those pressures translate to sacks. Uh, you know, had an, an enormous play on the biggest play at the game uh, late in regulation. Bradley Chubb has not been a factor. And that, to me, I think has to be concerning because not only did you give up a first-round pick to get him, you gave up a ton of money, too. Like, they paid him like a 15-sack guy. And did you even notice him on the field on Sunday? No. No. It, it, it was not great. Um, and another concern I have was their big uh, – well, their, their, their other big free agent acquisition beyond uh, the trade for Jalen Ramsey – David Long was not on the field very much. Uh, and we thought that he was coming in to help, you know, this run defense. He was going to be an enforcer. And he played 17 snaps, I think it was. Um, what do you make of the snap count where, where Andrew Van Ginkle clearly was was trusted more? Three to one. That was the uh, AVG to the David Long snap count, 51 to 17. If you would have told me that in April, I would have said you're drunk, right? I mean, that's nuts. And it's not like this was a drop-back pass game where they needed Van Ginkle's pass rush more. No, they needed to do to get his nose in the middle and make some tackles. And part of it was, look, he got roasted because of, was it the Keenan Allen long pass down the sideline? Um, that was a zone, guys. That wasn't Fangio saying, okay, you one-on-one, you run with one of the 20 best wide receivers in football. No, that's, that's not what happened. Deshaun Elliott bit on an inside-breaking route. Uh, it was a zone uh, long was clearly supposed to have help from the safety and it didn't materialize until far too late. So let's not kill him for that. But like when, when it comes to NFL coaches, listen with your eyes, not your ears. Right. And although Fangio is kind of honest too, because he has no filter. So you can listen with your ears as well. But our eyes were screaming, screaming about how little they trusted certain members of that defense. And uh, it's fascinating to me that despite Deshaun Elliott being bad, like he was bad in that game, Brandon Jones didn't see the field, right? And uh, despite the fact that they gave money, and I know it wasn't a ton of money, right? It was like $5 million or whatever. But despite the fact that they gave money to, to David Long, he's not on the field in a game that's uh, a running game, right? It's a physical in the trenches, go make a tackle at the line of scrimmage kind of game. Um to me, that was incredibly telling. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, all these defensive struggles aside, the offense was able to, to kind of, you know, carry the day. Uh, they leave Los Angeles 1-0. We spoke last time how I, I like to break the schedule down in chunks, right? And I said, well, if they get the 3-1 and one in these first four games, I think 11 wins is a fair, you know, expectation. If they fell, you know, two and two, you know, I kind of settled on probably about a 10 win season. Let's overreact to what we saw week one across the league. Um, you know, do you think it's within the realm of possibility that the Dolphins start out four and oh? You have Patriots, Broncos, Bills. Um, I think right now, th- anything less than three and one would be disappointing based on what we saw week one. Um, where, where do you stand on that? Is my Dolphin color glasses kind of blinding me here a bit? I mean, going three and one with three road games in those first four is a tall task, right? You do that and you're a really, really, really good team. Uh, yes, I, you know, I, I take a more holistic look at this, the, the season 
and just, you know, where are the pitfalls? And I'm going through it right now. Certainly at New England won't be easy. The Broncos, not a good team. We can both agree that they're not a good football team. Uh, At the Bills, the game's always a fight, right? I can't remember in my 12 years covering the Miami Dolphins, a time where they've just boat raced the Bills, particularly on the road, right? So it's all that is going to be a close game. Then Giants at home, Panthers at home, at Eagles, they win that game, Katie bar the door, right? <laughs> home against the Patriots. Against the Chiefs in Germany, I think they're going to look, the Chiefs are going to figure it out. They're going to get Kelsey back, obviously getting Chris Jones back. He signed the contract today. They're going to be, they're always, they're going to be in the mix. Raiders at the Jets, at the Commanders, home against the Titans, home against the Jets, and then you finish with Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. All of a sudden, that schedule that we were terrified about doesn't look that challenging. And again, overreaction Monday and all that. The Jets are not going to be what the Jets could have been. We can both agree that, right? No, Um, that running game uh, was certainly impressive. Brees Hall looks like he didn't lose a step. Which makes you okay, wonder so, about the Dalvin Cook signing, right? Because any any snap that Cook is on the field in place of Hall is a win for the defense. Okay. They're not the same team without Aaron Rodgers. They're okay. not. Clearly. Zach Wilson, they were terrified to throw the football last night. Terrified. Yeah. Um, that's not sustainable. And the Dolphins will do things. Like, I'll, I need to go give the advanced stats. Apologize for coming unprepared to this. I'm guessing they saw, the Chargers saw a lot of light boxes in week one. Because we saw what certainly Herbert did to this defense last year and what he has done to teams often. Like he is a dynamic player. Uh, We can have questions about his consistency and all that, but he is one of those players that you need to worry about in a big way. Um, Zach Wilson's not that guy, right? So you can play heavy boxes against the Jets and, 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 and dare them to throw the ball and then, you know, those late season games, um, maybe you're certainly going to have Nick Needham back. Maybe you have Jalen Ramsey back for those late, late season games. So, yeah, I would be fine with X and Cater and, you know, obviously Ramsey and Mater, maybe Nick Needham and Cam Smith if he comes along. All those guys in man coverage a lot of the games simply because Zach Wilson's not good, right? We can all agree he's not good. Um Beyond that, but the vision games are, are always tricky. We've seen the Dolphins and Jets, the, the team that's clearly the worst team, still steal a victory. So sweeping any of these division teams is never an easy task. Sure. Totally agree. And there are going to be games that maybe they lose to the Titans in a dumb way, right? Maybe something happens, like understood. But on balance, the 17 game season is pretty good of sorting the good from the bad. I mean, certainly it's not an 81, 82 game season like the NBA or 162 game like Major League Baseball, where you know who the best teams are after the season. Imbalanced schedules, fluky bounces of football, small sample sizes, all these things can contribute to really good teams not making the playoffs. Understood. Uh, however, I'm a lot more bullish on over 10 wins for the Dolphins now than I were than I was 48 hours ago. Yeah, hundred percent. That that nine and a half number. Um, I, I I wish I had bet on it myself. Um, what I did bet on was the two MVP bet, oh, and of course now he is the co-favorite. Yeah, I got it at twenty-two to one. Um, 
full disclosure, it was a bonus free bet. So it wasn't any. Oh, coward. You didn't even use real money on it. It, It's still hey, I'll get paid real money. It don't matter. Um, But yeah, now he is the co-favorite, depending on what book you look at. I've seen him as number two, but behind Mahomes at one. Um, But what a change in in a week. And um, certainly when we brought it up last week with with you and and David Behrman, we talked about how, you know, I I think statistics wise, he could be there. But then you made the great point, but you got to have the wins. Things have changed in a week. And and now maybe the Dolphins could have the wins to, to, to have two in that conversation all year round. Again, yeah, no. provided he's healthy. A- absolutely right. Um, again, anything short, I think at this point, of 11 wins would surprise me for the Dolphins simply because of how not just certainly the Jets having the Jets issues and the Ravens falling apart physically and all these things. Um, they look like a really good team. Like on offense, they looked incredible. That I was, <clears throat> I was a pup during the prime of Marino. I was. Like even even the early '90s, I didn't see them a ton. I was, yeah. Full disclosure: I grew up a Cowboys fan, so I watched a lot of CBS and Fox games. I didn't watch very many. Um, I guess they were on NBC, NBC then. Yeah, is that yeah. what they were on? Mm-hmm. Didn't watch many of those games, um, and unfortunately, the Dolphins never went very far in the playoffs. So, with the most important games, I didn't see very much of. Um, but I can't imagine that. Those Marino Dolphins looked the way the Dolphins looked on Sunday. With, I mean, pinpoint passing, you know, Marino's might might have the best arm in NFL history, right? Let's let's not kid ourselves. His arm was otherworldly. Uh, but the scheme, like the ingenuity of Mike McDaniel, and I think we need to take a second to appreciate. And I'm going to write something on this today from, uh, you know, comments from Raheem Mostert because he's played under both Kyle Shanahan. And Mike McDaniel, I don't think there's any two, with the exception of maybe Andy Reid, any two offensive minds in football that do a better job of getting guys open. And and they're not just getting guys open with, you know, number two and three receivers. The Dolphins have two number ones, and people discount Jalen Waddle because he plays with Tyree Kill. Uh, and he didn't get a ton of targets in week one, part of which because his oblique still hurts. I mean, he's in pain because he got hurt in the preseason, um, and he's still not 100%. He's still total 78 yards. Not bad. Not Not bad bad. for an off game. So um, just we've never, I don't think, like maybe the Mahomes year when he went absolutely bananas. I think it was just, you know, was that his first full year as a starter when he he won his first MVP and was that offense was completely unstoppable. And maybe the, 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 the Peyton Broncos year master offensive mastermind, Adam Gase pulling the strings on that. Um, there's the hundred percent Adam Gase, of course. Yeah, there it wasn't the quarterback. So um, maybe, maybe those two. And again, I'm go, I'm losing my mind over one game. But what they did against a defense that shut them down last year, completely shut them down last year, without their best offensive lineman, with their second best wide receiver having trouble breathing probably at times because his midsection hurts so much. Um. They were running free. And when they weren't, the quarterback was making throws that no defender on the planet could defend. Um, I think I think what we saw week one will be more representative of what we see throughout the course of the season, with one enormous caveat, obviously, and that's the health of Tua Tungabailoa. If he gets hurt, this entire experiment's over. But if he can stay upright, if he can stay healthy, um, 
I don't, or an injury to Tyreek or Waddle, obviously. But just them going up against a defense, the Jets' defense is fantastic. Tyreek would burn that defense. I'm sorry. He would. He he is uncoverable in the ways that they schemed him up. He, he said no one league can guard him, and he's right, okay? He had 215 yards, I think, on 11 catches, and he left probably 30 yards on the field with a drop. Like, there was a drop that he he will hit him on stride and he yep. would have been gone. Right. Um, who's going to stop this? Who's going to, now someone could slow it down, but okay. Here's a, here, here is a fun uh, exercise, Matt. How many games do you think they're going to score fewer than 21 points this year? Uh, go to the schedule. It shouldn't be any any more than three or four, three. Okay. I mean, that might be pushing it. This is an offense that should be in the twenties to thirties every week. So there's no uh, excuse. No, none, none. Um, so there, every team has bad games, right? Every team will have two or three clunkers that the, the Chiefs had. They just had one. Like it's going to happen. But I think this team could average. I you know going in, I thought twenty five. That might be low. Like this, this, this could be a team that averages 27, 28 points a game. And if you do that and the defense takes his head out of his backside and, and plays at a higher level. And again, I said this at the top of the show, let's not overreact to a defensive effort against maybe the second best team in the conference. Certainly the second best offense in the conference, right? Let's, let's not lose our minds that, and they got the stops they needed. They had no real big impact plays until the last minute of the game. But they got the stops that they needed just enough by the skin of their teeth to let their MVP candidate quarterback go and win it for them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's set up for them. It's anything less than at this point, you know, top five, top three points, yards per play, all these things would be a total shock to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you said it's it set up for them. When you look at the schedule, too, four of their final five games are at home. They, they don't have those, you know, December, January snow game potential, except for in Baltimore on, on New Year's Eve. Um, it, it's interesting. A lot of things are could be breaking right for the first time, what feels like forever, for a team that's kind of been snake bitten. Oh, for, boy. For a long time. That, which, by the way, does not exist whatsoever. But there will be someone, there will be someone who is irate with you, Matthew. There will be someone who will hear that quote. There will be many. Mm-hmm. But and, you're and right. They, no, like, and at some point, because <clears throat> I I largely think that coincidences are just statistical noise in the universe and all that, but at some point, mean regression happens, and all those breaks that went against them for five decades, five decades, at some point it turns around. Now, a lot of that five decades was self-inflicted, right? You can't be that irrelevant for that long without making some horrendous decisions. They've made some really, really good decisions over the last three, four years. And let's let's just take a second, and we'll, there'll be times that we'll crush him, I'm sure, in this season because that's how sports commentary works. But Chris Greer has been pretty good. He's not been perfect, but he's been pretty good. And again, people are going to say, well, yeah, who wouldn't want to have Tyreek Hill on their team? And who wouldn't, you know, and Teron Armstead can't stay healthy. And, oh, where, where Bradley? Oh, man, a lot of these decisions they've made, Kater Kohu, he should get credit for that, right? That guy's yeah. been really, really good. Zach Sealer, he should get credit for that. That guy's been really, really good, Sunday notwithstanding. Durham Smythe, 
people losing their mind over, you know, not having a tight end. They laughed at us. One game sample size so far, so good. Right. Um, and look, even their wide receivers, uh, did you, let's take a second. Cause we have not, by the way, talked about how incredibly good Tyreek Hill is. We kind of danced around it, but, um, it's not like Tyreek and Jalen were out there every play. They only got like two thirds of the snaps and guys yeah. like Craycraft stepped up and in, in a big, big way for them. And Barrios, holy yeah, Barrios is fantastic. Did I, did I, did I sell that guy short? I mean, seriously, I, 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 I thought he was going to be a, you know, a returner and a spot player. No, he is, he is clearly WR3 on this well, team. One so. of us here said he'd have 600 plus yards receiving mm. and it wasn't you. Did, did, did you cash that ticket yet? <laughs> Not yet. So, Don't want to jinx it. Don't want to jinx it. Don't want to jinx it. Um, also, uh, are you getting ready for Santa Claus to arrive at your house? Because he's real as well. That's right. Uh, What's that? I'll be hanging out with the Easter bunny. (laughs) No, I I mean, again, offensive line, we were losing our minds over Isaiah Wynn. He's not a guard was fine on Sunday. was not a problem. Austin Jackson bust seemed to do. Okay. Against a really good pass rush, at least on paper, a really talented pass rush. Got to pump our brakes. Got to see this thing play out. But a lot of the things that we, that, that we kind of questioned, uh, the, the first answers were really good. Yeah. And, and, and I said it during the game, the only way, the only one that could stop the Dolphins last week was themselves. And, and they did twice. Um, the, the Connor Williams uh, snap issues, which I don't know if that was on him or Tua just dropped it. Um, you know, it looked like, it looked like a good snap. Either he way. Have, yeah, yeah, it did look moved, good. Yeah, he may have moved a, a, a hair early, but that ball was there for Tua. Yeah, no, but the self-inflicted wounds, if they get that cleaned up, this offense, how, how do you stop it? And I'm not sure. But well, and, and well, that's the thing. is that I, I, Full disclosure, it's Tuesday morning when we're taping this. I, I have not done a lot of prep on the Patriots. Just haven't. I mean, there's just been so much going on the last 48 hours. I haven't really looked ahead too much. Uh, but I will say this. Where's the team speed? defense offense that is a slow 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 franchise and they have been for a number of years now how are they going to run with the dolphins how are they going to keep up and again the 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 answer is they're going to shove the ball down their throats and they're going to use their their strength their their size in the trenches and they're going to keep two off the field okay possibly that 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 could be the way the dolphins lose i get it i'm not betting on it though no, and this is an interesting time for, you know, the Dolphins to face Belichick. You know, here week two, there's only one game of, uh, you know, film from this year. But to see what Belichick has to, to try to offset what Mike McDaniel put on, on tape on, on Sunday. Um, if they don't slow the Dolphins down, you wonder which defense will be able to, to kind of contain that offense. Because if, if it's not Belichick, even with a, a slow plotting defense, if not Belichick, then, then, then who? And they well, held the Eagles and Jalen Hurts in check. So it, it makes you wonder if they could figure it out and, and slow down Tua in the offense. And, 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 and here's the thing. Maybe they just they double Tyreek every single snap. All right. They, 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 they commit completely to taking Tyreek out of the game. 
all right, how are you going to stop Jalen Waddle then? Right. And how are you going to stop Raheem Mostert, who had a pretty solid game, wasn't great. Yeah, very overlooked uh, aspect. But that running game, I think if it needed to get going, it looked like it could have. But yeah. So, um, yeah, no, there, there, there are ways that you can impact the Dolphins. But short of injury, I don't see how anyone's going to consistently stop them. Okay, so before we head out, then we need a, a pick from you, Adam. Oh, and boy. I know your pick isn't in yet. All right, here, let's do this. It's a two and a half point spread for the Dolphins right now okay. on the road in New England. What would you, if you were told right now you had to put money down? Yeah, it's Miami. I mean, Miami is the more talented team. The Miami is more the more dynamic team. Miami has by far the better quarterback. And, you know, we'll see. There's There was the talk of Mac versus Jalen versus Tua, who's the best. Tua had not been a part of that conversation for a while. Maybe he is now. Although Jalen Hurts was MVP candidate last year and all that. Um, no, the Dolphins win this game, and I think they win it by two scores. Okay. I, I was going to repeat my my pick, which was Dolphins by a touchdown. I did not get by the touchdown, but, um, you know, worked out in week one, so we're, we're going to stick with it. All right. Um, so that means the Patriots win big. I jinxed them. I jinxed them. Okay. Well, um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet already. Um, also, if you're watching on YouTube, you can like and subscribe. Uh, you can find all of our Dolphins content, as always, at profootballnetwork.com uh, slash Miami hyphen Dolphins. And we will see you back here again next week to see if the Dolphins are still undefeated two weeks into the season here on the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast.